the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Dear faithful, the miracle of our Lord this 15th Sunday after Pentecost is a little foreshadowing of his greatest miracle, his own resurrection from the dead, the crown and seal of our redemption. Comes into the, this little town of Naim, his disciples and a large crowd. He's met by a widow, the body of her son, that just died, being carried on a bier, and a sizable portion of the town's inhabitants accompanying her and her dead son. Touched with pity, he approaches the, he approaches the bier, carrying the body of this young man, and he touches it resulting in the young man's resurrection from the dead. Now, they may not be at first apparent, but there are multiple lessons to be taken from this miracle. This resurrection, unlike many of the other supernatural favors which had been asked of him, this resurrection is not asked of him. He approached on his own initiative. Also, our Lord wanted the knowledge of this miracle to be spread far and wide. That is why he saw to it that there were many witnesses, including his disciples. He wanted it to be known by all that he has the power to bring back the dead to life. It is not so much by the words of our Lord, but by his works, his actions, that we are convinced of his divinity. He began his public ministry with miracles slightly lesser than this one, if you recall, such as bringing back to health those who had only been on the verge of death, but not yet dead. We thus see today that he truly raises a dead man back to life. We see, therefore, that he willed to increase our faith in his divinity by gradual increments. He knew this would be most suited to our nature. We who have such a hard time doing anything all at once. But the scene from the life of our Lord carries also a warning for all of us notably in what is signified by the body of the dead young man. His lifeless body is a symbol of the soul dead in mortal sin. Even though the body may be very much alive, the person in this state is lost to something infinitely more important. Infinitely more important than mortal life which is bound to come to an end. But our Lord's merciful approach today and his resurrection from the dead of this young man is the proof that he both desires and has the power to resurrect us from death to eternal life every time our repentance for our sins is sincere. But how is it that souls so often find themselves in need of this resurrection, that they find themselves dead in their sins? 
hint is contained in today's epistle. St. Paul tells us, St. Paul tells us to do good while there is time to do so. This admonition is a subtle but certain warning against a bad habit, that of procrastination, a defect springing from the vice of sloth. The vast majority of us are more or less slothful in the face of efforts which do not appeal to us, which we don't feel like making. It's a vice usually associated with laziness, a desire to avoid all exertion. But what exactly are we talking about with regards to sloth? It's a vice that has three degrees, each one being progressively worse than the last. The first degree is when we take up our tasks reluctantly or indifferently. When we accomplish works in this state, the result is usually fairly poor. The second degree refers to those individuals we often call, or we might call, sluggards. A sluggard is the man who does not absolutely, does not absolutely refuse work, but postpones and delays it indefinitely. Someone who is truly and thoroughly lazy, however, wants to do nothing which might be the least bit troublesome, and has a sense of revulsion for all real work, whether mental or physical. And this vice affects both our spiritual, our spiritual life, but also our material and temporal duties, our work or other tasks. It causes us in the first place in spiritual life to say our prayers hurriedly or with little devotion and then eventually to start omitting them altogether. So let's try to counter this natural laziness by putting things back in their proper perspective. That God, from the very beginning, made man for work. Reflect a moment on our first parents in the Garden of Eden. The book of Genesis tells us that the Lord placed Adam in the garden for the purpose of maintaining it, of seeing to its proper upkeep, not simply to lie around all day eating the delicious fruit and lazing about by the streams. It's true that since the fall of Adam and Eve, Labor has taken on the quality of being burdensome, of being a pain. Nevertheless, it is a mistake to think that God's original plan for man was no more than a life of idleness and leisure. God meant for us to make productive use of our time from the very beginning of creation. And it's not a question of being an, an activist of activism of abandoning our legitimate and necessary prayers or recreation or rest for a flurry of feverish activity. This is not what is asked of us. This activity which gradually kills the life of the soul and estranges us from our loved ones. No. It's not so much a question of trying to increase the quantity as the quality of what we do. To work with a greater and greater love. Keep in mind that the Latin root of the word diligence is diligere, meaning to love. 
This is the way of the saints. If we make the effort to do everything, even the little things, with great love, as St. Therese teaches us, we can be assured that God will take care of the quantity. And the lives of the saints are, of course, the best example that God's grace can counter original sin and give us an enthusiastic zeal for exertion. A wonderful example of this is the life of St. Vincent de Paul. We all know that St. Vincent de Paul, or at least we have a general idea, that he founded charitable organizations, but saying this would not do nearly enough to do justice to all that he accomplished. By the time of his death, he was the director of 11 different seminaries. He organized a series of retreats which served more than 20,000 souls. He founded multiple charitable associations for women, including a religious order, the Daughters of Charity. He founded the Congregation of the Mission for Priests. Thousands upon thousands of poor individuals had been aided by all these various charitable associations by the time St. Vincent died. And he became a, con a chaplain to the convicts of the royal galley ships, these convicts who lived in utter misery, chained in ulcers, and rowing heavy oars all day long. His greatest love and care, however, was reserved for the poor slaves of the Barbary pirates, Turkish corsair pirates. For he had once been among their pitiful ranks himself as a slave and escaped. He also found, founded a large number of soup kitchens all over France, feeding 15 to 16,000 hungry bellies every day. He provided shelter to hundreds of homeless and medical, and medical care for sick persons. He was a saint whose wide scope and output of his work has rarely, if ever, been equaled. But as the saying goes, Rome was not built in a day. The first step is accepting God's grace and having the courage to begin, to begin without delay. Then we must continue generously. No one accomplishes as much as St. Vincent de Paul unless they're willing to give without measure, to give without counting the cost, without which there is no true love of God or neighbor. So with the intercession today of St. Vincent de Paul, let us recommit this day, even this moment, to doing the good while there is still time. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, Amen.